Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to episode 10 of the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. Today we'll be finishing up our series on the different homeschooling methods. We've already covered a lot of ground, and if you're interested in listening to our previous conversations, go back and listen to part one and part two, which can be easily found on our podcast page at homeschool.com. So today I hope to talk with you about the last four homeschooling styles. And those include unschooling, Charlotte Mason, Waldorf, and the eclectic method. (laughs) Since we have a lot of ground to cover, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's start with the unschooling method of homeschooling. I think this one really tends to get a bad rep. I think a lot of people misunderstand what it is because of its name. But the unschooling homeschool style is also known as natural, interest-led, and child-led learning very similar foundations as to other of the homeschooling methods we've discussed before. So unschoolers learn from everyday life experiences and they typically don't use school schedules or really formal lessons. Instead, the unschooled child will follow their interests. They'll be encouraged by their parents, I should say, to follow their interests. And they'll learn in much the same way as adults do. In the same way that children learn to walk and talk, unschooled children learn their math, science, reading, and history. John Holt was one of the leaders of the unschooling philosophy. And he once said, birds fly, fish swim, man thinks and learns. Therefore, we do not need to motivate children into learning by wheedling, bribing, or bullying. We do not need to keep picking away at their minds to make sure they are learning. What we need to do and all we need to do is bring as much of the world as we can into the school and classroom, in our case, into their lives, and give children as much help and guidance as they ask for. Listen respectfully when they feel like talking and then get out of the way. We can trust them to do the rest. It's really beautiful, isn't it? I love that. The advantage of using the unschooling homeschool method is that unschooled children have the time and can develop research abilities to become expert in their areas of interest. Unschoolers embrace that freedom and believe strongly that learning happens naturally and effortlessly and they trust in their child's ability to be able to direct their own learning. I think sometimes that's where I derail with this method is that I have a hard time just putting it all onto my children. Maybe it's because my children are so much like me. I know that their procrastination is their middle name. It's a good method and I can see really, uh, so one disadvantage I can see is that because unschoolers don't follow the typical school schedule, they may not do as well on grade level assignments and may have a difficult time if they ever do choose to re-enter the school system. They may not fit into the nice, neat little categories that a standardized test would want them to fit into. I don't see a big deal with that, but 
To some, it could be a disadvantage. For help, unschoolers often turn to other homeschoolers and to their community, and they often set up classes and clubs together for enrichment in their learning opportunities. And you know what? Many times, just like the rest of us, they trade private lessons with other homeschoolers, and often they don't take tests and don't teach to those state-mandated tests that I just mentioned either. It's important to compare your personal style to find the types of homeschooling method methods that would work for you. That's why we're going through each of these. Hopefully that will help some of you who are still not sure where you fit. Many families using this approach, the unschooling approach, will vary greatly with their philosophy regarding the use of pre-made curriculum. Some families are vigorously opposed to curriculum in any form anyway, and they prefer to let their children learn primarily from natural interactions in the world around them, while other families may use formal curriculum and they feel it's essential to allow their students to pursue their own interests. And then sometimes it'll be a mix, you know, formal curriculum, pursue your own interests. It's the wonderful part about homeschooling, isn't it? And then there are some students that actually crave some amount of structure. So an unschooler can have a little bit of, of each of these things, actually. Of course, this flexibility of homeschooling allows parents to meet their individual child needs, and that's that's the wonderful part about homeschooling, right? All right, so the Charlotte Mason method. Charlotte Mason was a British educator and author who lived in the late 1800s. Though Charlotte Mason's philosophy of education has withstood a century, it has seen a revival among the homeschooling community over the last decade. Many have compared the Charlotte Mason method to the classical method. And all I can say is that Historically, Charlotte Mason was a classical educator, so of course her method will have similarities. But one thing that does stand out as a difference between the two is the addition of handicrafts within the Charlotte Mason. But Charlotte Mason homeschooling has at its core the belief that children are persons in their own right and deserve respect. According to Charlotte Mason, children should be given much time, ample time to play, create, and be involved in real life situations from which they can learn. Education is an atmosphere, a discipline, a life. Students of the Charlotte Mason Method take nature walks, visit art museums, learn geography, history, and literature from living books. And that is a very, that's a, that's a key term within this method. And it's books that make the subject come alive. They're not your textbook, their authentic literature. More specifically, the Charlotte Mason method will often include narration and dictation. And just in case you don't know what that is, it's an activity that consists of the child telling back a story she has heard or read. It's done orally when the child's young, and then as she or he grows older, they begin to write out their narrations. Language arts in the Charlotte Mason method is usually in the form of journaling and copy work, transcribing a piece of literature as handwriting practice. And then of course there is much nature study. And that of course is a study of living science of the environment around us with a focus of observing things seen on nature walks. And it includes plenty of time spent outdoors, appreciation for the natural world. And of course, as I mentioned before, living books, that's an essential part of the Charlotte Mason homeschooling method. These are books written in an alive, engaging way by an author who has a passion for the subject. These are not your dry, dusty textbooks. These are books that 
that are of high interest. And then finally, there is a development of an appreciation for art and music. Very important. So the advantages of the Charlotte Mason method are many, in my opinion, and support a holistic view of education. The Charlotte Mason method seeks to help students create positive life habits that don't just affect school and it should instill a love for learning. For the disadvantages of this method are that there are many interpretations out there. As with anything, you've got one extreme to the other. And for the most part, I would encourage you to just go back to the source, go back to original Charlotte Mason stuff and study about that and that foundational philosophy and then pull together your own homeschooling method and how you want to interpret this for yourself. A lot of popular books out there on this, but to the best, a Charlotte Mason education and more Charlotte Mason education, both written by Katherine Levison. All right, moving on, the Waldorf style. Waldorf education is based on the work of a man named Rudolf Steiner. This style stresses the importance of educating the whole child, body, mind, spirit. Steiner developed this model in Germany in reaction to the educational system of his time. Steiner purposely stayed clear of focusing on the child's intellect only. He built his, his school taking into account the acceptance of all children and educating all children with an equal education. And that was kind of revolutionary back in his day, but it was an equal education between both boys and girls and he extended this education for 12 years. His educational method gained popularity in the U.S. over the last decade and many schools dedicated to the Waldorf philosophy have sprung up across our country. And of course, as with many popular educational methods as we've seen, that popularity transferred over into the homeschool community. In the early grades for the Waldorf philosophy, there's an emphasis on arts and crafts, music and movement, and nature. Older children are taught to develop self-awareness and how to reason things out for themselves. Children in a Waldorf homeschool don't use standard textbooks. Instead, children can create their own textbooks, their own books. The Waldorf philosophy is often characterized by an early childhood approach that tends to de-emphasize academics. It's an approach that focuses on age-appropriate learning, so not so heavy on the grade side of things. Art, music, gardening, foreign language, their key focuses in the elementary years. No textbooks are used in the first several grades and no formal grades are assigned during elementary school. Instead, children are assessed by the progress that they make. And of course, there is an integration of the natural world into all aspects of the Waldorf education. The Waldorf homeschooling method also discourages the use of television and computer because they believe that computers are really just bad for the child's health and creativity. And I definitely agree with that philosophy. I feel like it robs our children's time to spend in imaginative play and creativity. But anyway, if you're wanting to read more about the Waldorf method of homeschooling, there are good books available uh, from the Rudolf Steiner bookstore, and I'm going to include their link and phone number in the show notes. So the advantages to using the Waldorf method 
including a, it, it includes a stronger naturalistic approach to child learning. Again, I feel like this, this being a holistic approach to teaching our children. But one disadvantage and disclaimer I want to throw out there is that the Waldorf philosophy of course began with Mr. Steiner, but Mr. Steiner was a formulator of anthroposophy. In case you're wondering what anthroposophy is, it stems from the idea that humans are able to communicate with spiritual worlds with their intelligence. This of course brings up some interesting complexities. Not everyone, of course, adds this aspect into their Waldorf education. There are some schools and proponents that do hold to some of these philosophies, which often tend to include a propensity to not vaccinate. And also some of the proponents of this style have leaned toward racism, of course, because as a homeschooler, you can use a method and pick and choose which you feel works best for your homeschool needs. So just throwing that out there. All right, moving on to the eclectic method. The eclectic homeschooling method is the most often used homeschool method. Why? Because so many of us fall into this category. We just kind of pick and choose. And anyway, it's the fact that homeschoolers use a little of this, a little of that. They use maybe workbooks for math, reading, spelling, and then maybe they'll take an unschooling approach for the other subjects or a Charlotte Mason approach for this and that. So it, it can be the true blended homeschool method. So for the family who practices this eclectic style of homeschooling, mornings are often used for that more formal have to kind of things, you know, your core subjects. And then afternoons are more loose with hobbies and special projects and high interest things. Usually with the eclectic approach, there's not a lot of specific time set for each subject. Instead, the child's expected to meet goals. And I have to say, I've, I kind of fall into this method and in our homeschool, I don't really have a set time schedule. You know, it's like, okay, 30 minutes is up, move on to your next. But sometimes I will use a looping schedule. And with that, I will set time limits and we just move on to the next subject. So we'll get, we'll get 30 minutes done. We'll move on to the next thing. Um, so it just depends on the year and what we decided to do that year, but it is, a, it's kind of a relaxed atmosphere. I've mixed and matched things, maybe do a little online, maybe we do some textbooks. Um, it is tailor designed to meet our specific homeschool needs. The eclectic homeschooler uses what works for them. The advantage of this, of course, is obvious that the parent feels the important subjects are covered in the way that best fits their needs. This method allows the homeschool family to choose their textbooks or field trips or classes and it fits their needs or interests. It's not bound by one particular method or style. The eclectic approach kind of, it, it really just develops a tailor-made curriculum fits your students. In fact, our homeschool looks different all the way down to each individual child because I want it to fit their needs specifically. But a possible disadvantage I can see from this method is that many homeschoolers that are just starting out might look at that and just be overwhelmed. It may seem daunting to them because 
the parent has to make that foundational plan. You have to make your outline. You have to kind of have your idea of what you're going to do, how you're going to how you're going to handle it. So some parents might also worry that their child isn't getting everything that they need or they might have gaps, which really pretty much can happen no matter where you learn in school or at home. There's there's going to be gaps. And the good news is that we have know through 12th grade to educate our children and typically we do this, the spiral education approach where we circle back to things and we go over things again and review things so over the course of those years of homeschooling you end up closing most of the gaps I think that's another um, view and in, in an area of confidence that also comes with having homeschooled after a little while you begin to see that okay yeah we'll circle back to that we'll get those gaps covered it's not the end of the world if we don't cover everything this year that wraps up our series on the main homeschooling methods most popular ones the biggest ones that are out there so of course i know there are probably many others that are being used today that are popular that maybe I just don't even know about. If y'all are out there and using a homeschool method that I haven't heard about, please send me a message. Let me know. Educate me because I want to know about these things. I want to know how you've used it and how you've implemented it into your homeschool. So you can send me a message on any of our social platforms or email me. As I always add it to our podcast, it's jamie.gaddy at homeschoolconnect.com. And please, please do contact me. I'd love to hear from you. So tune in next week. We have a special edition podcast about a learning resource that's kind of a modern twist on Schoolhouse Rock. So I think you guys would like that. And as we journey this homeschooling path together, I hope the rest of your week is amazing. As always, with grace and joy, Jamie. Jamie.